It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from Eastern Iowa, where apartment ownership and investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hey there, Darren Garman here, and welcome to this week's podcast, where we go to part two. Part two of answering the question of what's next. Uh, If you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, part two, what are you talking about, part two? A couple of weeks ago, I had part one where I went over my processes and what I recommend and what we do when we take over an apartment community, whether small or large, whether you're an active or passive investor. Okay, and... uh, in that, I basically uh, spilled the beans on my processes, what we do, how we do it, and what we do not only to minimize turnover, increase income, but also at the end of the day, have not just a apartment investment, but a community. And when you have a community, it not only makes more money, but it's worth a hell of a lot more money. So I talked about that. So if you've not listened to that, that's okay. You can listen to this one. You don't need to go back to that one first. It's all right. But you will want to make sure that you take the time to listen to that What's Next podcast. And it's easily found um, by doing a search. So it should be no problem. Okay. So today we're going to talk about what's next as an investor. Okay. Not an owner of or landlord or owner of a property after we take over. Uh, we're going to talk about what's next as an investor and why you should be asking this question, who you should be asking this question to, and what kind of answers you should expect from this question. But before I jump into the information, I want to remind you the Multifamily Investment Summit and Property Tour. Um, Now, remember, this is only for serious apartment community investors. Okay, this is for investors that want to take their apartment or multifamily investing to the next level. And by the way, this is whether you're active or passive. The multifamily summit, we only allow 15 investors in the door. That is it. 15. Uh, We are having two investment summits. We are having the investment summit and property tour on January 9th. And the next one on March 13th. So January, which is coming up here very, very soon. And March, we have a few slots open. A few. Okay, so if you've been sitting on the fence on this, and if you are a serious multifamily investor or want to be, you don't have to be right now or want to be, you need to check out the detailed information on everything you would take away by attending the multifamily investment and property tour. Because we do the property tour, well, you see real apartment communities. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it all comes together. And that's where it makes a big difference. Okay, now remember, there's no cost to attend, but you need to be a serious investor in order to attend. Okay, so where do you get more information on the summit? What is What will I cover exactly in detail? What will you walk away with? What kinds of things will you know once you leave the summit? 
All that information is at www.heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. That's heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. Heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. Make sure you get there. You get your spot reserved because there's only a few left for January and a few left for March. Again, Heartland Investment Summit. All the details, everything is there.com. Heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. All right, so let's talk about the what's next question. There's really three main what's next questions you want to be asking. Now, I remember <coughs> when I was in junior high and I was involved in all kinds of athletics in junior high school uh, to really, it was really more or less to hopefully keep me out of trouble, which uh, frankly didn't work. But um, in any case, I was involved in all kinds of athletics, but I also liked art. Um, I liked the potter's wheel. I liked clay. I uh, like painting. Um, I mean, there's drawing. I, I mean, I liked all of it. And um, I remember that I'm sitting in class one day and we're starting a new unit. And I think the unit was, well, I know it was uh, charcoal pencil. And you, you know what I mean when I'm saying charcoal pencil. It was a charcoal pencil unit where you learn how to do all the charcoal pencil drawings and different kinds of paper and how to hold the pencil and, and all those kinds of things. So our art teacher, her name was Mrs. Zentner. Mrs. Zentner. Uh, she, this was the first day of the unit of charcoal pencil. And she's starting to talk about, uh, you know, the pencil, how you hold it, um, the canvas, and you know, going over some things that we're going to practice. And so she's just starting this. So I raised my hand. And my question was, Mrs. Zentner, what unit is after this one? <laughs> she looked at me like, what? And she said, what'd you say? I said, what? I'm just curious, what unit is after this one? Now, remember, we're 10 minutes into this unit. That's going to last, I don't know, 10 days or so. She got pissed. She got mad. She said, Darren, that is one of the dumbest questions I have ever heard. Focus in. This is the unit. I'll let you know when I'm ready what the next unit's going to be. So she was pissed. And that wasn't my intent. My intent wasn't to come across and say, this is boring. What, what are we doing next? I was just kind of curious because I like this, but I was just kind of thinking, God, I wonder what we're going to do next. And I don't know, being kind of, you know, young and, you know, hey, what's next? And, oh, she was mad. Uh, I tell you that story because when you ask the what's next question, you can either ask yourself, and of course you won't get the Mrs. Zentner reaction, but if you ask your manager, general partner, whomever you're working with that's kind of running the show, if you're a passive investor especially, you may get either kind of a weird look, maybe an answer that's maybe even similar to Mrs. Zentner's answer to me, but it's exactly the right question to ask. Okay? So it doesn't sound logical, though, does it? You may be in the middle of 
working on your next acquisition, whether you're an active or passive investor. And so when you're doing this, there are dozens of balls up in the air. That's going, all these things are going at the same time that need to be done. And this is just to not only get your due diligence done, but to get your closing done. Okay? So for someone to kind of wander in and say, hey, you know, what are we doing after this? It's like, oh my God, are you, who are you? I mean, why are we even talking to you? But it is the right question. So even though it sounds illogical, even though it doesn't really make sense when you're working your ass off in many cases just to get this acquisition done, okay, you need to be asking it because it has to do with really two main things. Asking this question will not only increase the income the property produces, but it will increase the biggest cash flow, or what I call your biggest cash flow. And what do you think is your biggest cash flow? If you said when you sell the building, you are exactly right. It's exactly what the biggest cash flow is. And so I don't know about you, but I want the biggest cash flow when we sell, and I want to get as much income out of the property as we possibly can. So asking these questions leads to that. Okay, it leads to that. So here are really three specific points I want to make on this. Number one, what are we doing to increase the income stream? Or in other words, what's next for us to increase the income stream the property produces? Um, now, I'm not only talking about simple answers like, oh, we're going to raise rent. Well, everybody's, you know, everybody says they're going to raise rent. Uh, but realistically, what can you raise rent too. So we recently took over a 98 unit property uh, with partners and 128 unit property with partners. And in both cases, the current owners were leaving money on the table because they weren't charging enough rent. Um, so we knew once we took over, we could raise the rent in some cases substantially hundreds of dollars per unit. Uh, and our what answer to our what's next question, the lowest hanging fruit is raise rents. We're going to raise rents right away. And we did. And my theory about raising rents, by the way, is if you don't like it as a resident, you can certainly leave because there's another bus coming. So I feel pretty confident when we do this that if you're angry, grouchy, or or you just think you're not getting the value and you decide to go, we'll find somebody to replace you and they'll be paying us more than what you are paying us, by the way. And so being able to do that and realistically do it, even though many times you're told well, all you got to do is raise rent, it's one thing to say it and give lip service to it. It's another thing to do it and realistically get it to where it needs to be and maybe, you know, um, uh, maybe it'll be even a little bit more than that, right? Um, so the what's next question is not only for an easy, low-hanging fruit, <clears throat> increasing the income answer like that, but now it gets into other areas of income, okay? So how can we increase or add other areas of income to this property? 
Okay, so should our garage rents be increased or should we be charging rents for our garages? Okay, some communities don't. Uh, can we increase our laundry income, our vending income, um, etc.? So there, I mean, there's a long list that can be made, and I'm not going to go over that whole list during this podcast. But the point is, the first what's next question before you even take over as an active or passive investor is what's next in terms of raising the income or increasing the income stream the property produces. Okay, so this isn't a question you ask or want to know about after you take over. You want to know now because the time to start implementing those processes is now, right? Um, and, you know, I find a lot of investors don't ask this question. They maybe internally think, oh, yeah, I'll just raise the rent and, you know, I'll get around to doing that. And then a month goes by, six months, 12 months, and I find they haven't raised rent. Well, I don't want the tenants to leave. Bullshit. You want them to leave. Right? You want them to go. If they're not going to pay market rent and you can find people that will, you want them to go. Um, I'll never forget. And I've got like eight, more than that, i got like at least a dozen stories just like this. Where we take over a property. And the former owner hasn't raised rent for years. Three years, five years, two years, whatever. I mean, it's all kind of the same. And so we go in there and we give everybody notice the rent's going up. Some cases a lot, maybe some cases not so much, kind of depending on what our strategy is for that specific property. But in any case, they get a rent raise notice. Well, not surprisingly, what do you think most residents do? That's right. They get pissed off. I'm mad. I'm angry. Rent's going up. Damn landlord takes over. First thing they do is raise rent. Uh, Yeah. So on this one particular property, 90 plus percent of the residents got back in touch with us, either email, you know, uh, talking to the resident manager, whatever, saying, I'm out of here, dude. You're raising rent. I'm moving. Okay. All right. So the vast majority of residents do this within this. I mean, we gave them notice like two or three days after we took over. Um, Then about 10 days, two weeks later, all of them within that 10 days to two weeks came back and said, oh, you know what, by the way, we're not moving. We're going to stay. Why? Because they figured out they're getting a pretty damn good deal. And it didn't make sense to move. Okay. And even if they did, we can find people to replace them. So I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that short-term units empty and turnover stuff. If it's going to increase the property's value by thousands, tens, hundreds, millions of dollars. So that's why that question is so important. What's next? What's next in terms of increasing the income streams with an S that the property produces? So that's number one. Number two, expenses. What's next for expenses? So I dealt with this actually this morning. Um, Property we took over the year before they spent over $11,000 on getting the drains unplugged, unclogged, and the toilets unclogged. 
So for other words, if a tenant clogged their toilet or a tenant clogged their sink, uh, they would call uh, you know, the roto-rooter people or the drain cleaner people. They'd come out, you know, they'd clean out the drain and then they'd leave. Well, that costs up to, they spent over $11,000 on that expense. Now, just as a sidebar, we could argue, well, should the tenant be paying that? Can you take it out of the deposit? Can you not? That's another discussion for another time. But my philosophy is, why not eliminate it altogether? Okay? Why not eliminate that altogether? So, what do you think I did? That's right. Guess who does that now? Our on-site staff does that. So now we've just eliminated, I don't know, $11,000 in expenses. And that's not to say they may not have to come out once in a while if it's a bad enough problem um, that maybe we can't figure out. But for the most part, we've eliminated at least seven, dollars $8,000 in expenses. And even if we could recover those expenses, or even if we do, we're not fighting the resident about them. Why should they have to pay? And we don't have to go back and forth with documentation and information, blah, 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 blah. Right? So that adds, again, hundreds of thousands of dollars in value to a property. And that's just one expense item. I go down all of them. And that's not to say you can whack, I call it whack, whack every single expense, but you will find most you can. And so the other what's next question for you, the other what's next question for the manager of your partnership, general partner, a lot of times people call them sponsors, um, is what do you, what's next? What's next on, what's next here? And by the way, you better get an answer. You better not get silence dead air, no response, that's a red flag right away. Red flag. Or you better not get a glib, oh, we'll work on it, we're working on some things, we're going to put something in motion, I mean, come on. Now, I don't think you should expect the 10-point plan in a PowerPoint presentation how they're going to do it, but you need an answer. An answer on what's next. So we talked about the what's next question as an investor when you are looking at taking over a property. Remember, we're asking these questions even before we take over. Okay? Which sounds crazy, but you do. We've talked about the income side of things. We've talked about the expense side of things. And the last one is, what's next in terms of getting our property to a point where it's at its highest and greatest value, okay? What's next in terms of getting our property to its highest and greatest value? What are we gonna do next in order to get our property to its highest and greatest value? Why do you ask that question? Because remember, what's the most important cash flow you're going to get? It is when you sell the property. That's it, okay? That's really the return of investment, plus hopefully a whole bunch more. And there needs to be a plan in place for that. And by the way, when you think to yourself, oh, I think I'm going to hold this for five years. Oh, I think I'm going to hold it for seven years. Or you talk to your manager or your sponsor or 
um, general partner. And they say, yeah, this could be about a five-year hold. And we're probably going to keep it for seven years, ten years. By the way, that's all bullshit. I mean, you know that, right? That's bullshit. That answer is bullshit. What do you mean, Darren? Why, why would it be bullshit if I want to know how long I'm going to be in this investment? Yeah. You want to at least have an idea about how long you want to be in it. But are you really going to sell the investment or want the investment sold at a time when it's at its lowest value? Let me give you an example. So let's say you're talking to me and I say, yeah, we're going to sell the, We're going to be in this for seven years. Seven years down the road, we're in a terrific recession. It's bad. It's horrific. Okay. Do you think now is the good time to sell at that time? Of course not. When are you really going to sell an investment for the most part? Yeah, when you can get the most money for it. So let me put it to you this way. Let's say you let's say you want to get involved in one of my partnerships. And I tell you, you know, our window on this is probably going to be about five to seven years. I mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing. But the other thing I'll tell you is, but it could be a little bit sooner. It could be a little bit later. And you may be thinking, well, that's kind of a dodgy answer. Well, no. So let's say we buy this apartment community tomorrow. And I tell you, we're going to hold it for seven years. If the guy across the street knocks on my door two years later and wants to pay us twice what we paid for the property, am I going to tell him, well, you know what? I told everybody we're going to hold this for seven years, so we're not going to sell. No, we're going to sell. Okay? And I already gave you the example. If seven years from now, the economy's in the tank and we're going to lose our ass if we sell the investment, do you really think we're going to sell it? No. Probably not. So even when it's good to have an idea, it's total bullshit if you think that it's like putting your money in a savings account and on a seven-year hold and taking it out exactly seven years down the road. That's not the way it works. The way it works is you sell the investment if and when you can get the highest and best price from the investment. Okay? So I always tell my investors this. We're going to work to get the property to its highest and greatest value. Then we're going to have conversations about what to do. Do we sell? Maybe. Do we refinance? Maybe. Do we hold on to it, not do anything? Maybe. Or do we or do we do nothing? Nothing. All of which are the right answer. There's no wrong answers there. So why you ask that what's next question? in terms of getting the property to its highest and greatest value is you at least want to get an idea on what the time frame might be so you at least have an idea that that's that you've arrived and now you're going to start having different conversations again why because of the biggest cash flow you're going to get which is from the property when you sell it okay when you sell it so we've covered the what's next question as an investor specifically an apartment community or multifamily community investor, when you really ask three simple questions. What's next for the what's next for the income stream? Maximizing it. What's next for our expenses? Minimizing it. What's next for increasing our value as quickly as we can 
so that we can have conversations on what do we do now? Or, in other words, what's next, right? Far too many people don't have these conversations or ask these questions. And they're just kind of wondering what's going on. Well, I don't know. So how's your, I don't know how things are going, whether it's good, bad. I mean, I get a distribution check, but I don't know if we're selling now or what our values are. I mean, it's not good. And if you're an active owner and you don't know this, I mean, it's really a, a red flag for you. You need to really get things organized and in place to get things going on this. Okay. So again, ask these questions, either to yourself if you're an active owner, or if you're a passive owner, the manager of the partnership, your buddy who might be running the property, and you're just kind of a passive investor, um, uh, the general partner, the, the sponsor, as some people call them. You want to ask these questions. Now, here's a real cool thing about what I just told you. Did I divulge any secrets to you? Did I give you anything that you were surprised about or have never heard before or never really or thought that it's just uh, unbelievably earth-shattering uh, information that you're just blown away by that you would never would have guessed? Of course not. I mean, this is pretty much what people do when they take over like any business, right? Should they? I would think so. But it really applies to multifamily and it really applies to what we're doing in multifamily and what you want as an investor, which is why it's an important question to ask the what's next question when you take over before you take over that next apartment investment. All right? Uh, hopefully you've got some good information on this week's podcast. Wherever you've listened, however you've listened, and whenever you've listened, I'm glad you've joined me today. Have a great day. Have a great week or weekend. We will talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Darren Garman again, just, just with a quick reminder on the Heartland Investment Summit. For more information on it, and again, this is for 15 serious apartment or multifamily community investors, you want to go to heartlandinvestmentsummit.com and see what we've got going on in January and in March. It will blow you away. www.heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. Thanks for joining the Apartment Specialist Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.heartlandinvestmentrealestate.com.